On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to ask about what are we looking for in a church? Yeah, I, people have got a lot of opinions, what, what sort of intrigues them about a church, what they would like to see in a local congregation of people, uh, people making those kind of choices all the time. On what basis? What am I looking for? Well, we're going to actually get an inspired view of the kind of things we ought to be looking for in our study tonight. If Jesus was looking for a church, what kind of church would he look for? And our uh, our desires ought to line up with his, and we're going to talk about that on the program. It's going to be a very important discussion, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April 18th, 2019. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. with you. And Kyle's behind the controls again. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here. And glad that you're listening wherever you may be tonight or in our recorded version. We're glad that you're here, and we hope that you will take a minute to get in touch with us. Uh, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, or give us a call at 877-381-4567, or if you're watching us live, sign in the chat room and share your listener your comments with other listeners on the program tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you. We believe the program is better when you don't have to listen to us for 60 minutes. Uh, that seems to be uh, at least my opinion. <laughs> I on think the, it's a unanimous well, it's opinion. A unanimous opinion. Um, so uh, help out the other listeners by sharing your comments. Uh, the chat room is the fastest way to do it, but we'd like to hear your voice as well at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Remind you, those bumper stickers are still available if you like one of those. And we encourage you to check out our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. dot com. If you've never been there, maybe you're just catching us on Apple Podcast or some other uh, podcast receiver. Uh, maybe you've never been to our website. Check it out at thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find audio from the past 14 years, almost 15 now, uh, no, I guess almost 14, of the Virtual Bible Study uh, that are out there for uh, you to listen. Certainly, there uh, should be a topic of, uh, of interest to you there, hopefully. Uh, so check that out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. So tonight... Jacob, before we oh. do this, uh, we want to start really promoting something that's coming up in about, I was just looking at my calendar, it's May the 9th, so I guess that's about three, yeah, about three weeks three away. Three weeks away. Uh, but anyway, May 9th, mark your calendars, May 9th, we're going to have that mini-debate. Uh, Kent Bailey, who's a regular participant with us on the Virtual Bible Study, and has actually joined us online before for some of our discussions, he's going to engage in a a mini debate with a a preacher named Bob Robison from up in Upper East Tennessee. Kent's in, in uh, Calhoun, Georgia. Uh, this Bob Robison is from uh, up Upper East Tennessee, Johnson City, up in that area. I'm not exactly sure which one, but uh, they're going to debate the instrumental music question. Okay, and uh, we think it'll be really interesting. Uh, we had a really good response recently when we had a, a sort of little mini debate with two participants on our program, and we're looking forward to that. So May 9th, and we want to be kind of getting everybody keyed up for that, and be making your plans definitely to be online May the 9th. All right, that, looking forward to that absolutely. All right, uh, so your topic tonight's very interesting. And um, I don't, you know, it's a it's, it's an interesting angle on a familiar passage, and uh, I like I like where you're headed here. Okay, so we got to make choices. You know, <clears throat> life is full of choices. Uh, so it's lunchtime. What are we gonna have for lunch? Mm. Well, you know, there's a lot of places right around here where you can eat lunch, mm-hmm. and you can get a lot of things that you want. Burgers, we got burgers. Hot dogs. There's a new, a new hot dog stand open not far from here. You, oh, really? you can get hot dogs. Mexican food. There's all kinds of Mexican restaurants. Pizza. What do you like? Mm-hmm. What do you like? Mm-hmm. Whatever you want, we can get it. And it's 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 up to you. I mean, it's it's what it's it's, it's absolutely what your appetite craves is what's available for lunch. I think that people have that view about churches too. 
I mean, right here in our immediate area and probably everywhere where people are listening to us tonight on the virtual Bible study, you've got a wide spectrum of choices of churches that you could be a part of. What do you like? What's your appetite? What's your religious appetite? What would you prefer? And that's, how, and that's basically the way people are looking at it, what, what they want, what they're looking for, what they like. You, you know, that, that was a common theme many years ago now. I don't know that it's so common anymore, but choose, uh, attend the church of your choice. Of your Sunday. choice, the church of your choice. Really? I get to choose? I yeah. Mean, what if I like the church that, uh, well, you know, they sacrifice babies or, you know, they're doing whatever kind of immorality in their worship. That's the church I choose. Is that okay? Certainly there's got to be some guidelines as to the church that I would choose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but people pretty much feel like they are free to do their own thing. Um, one, a comedian years ago made fun of, uh, acted like he was a preacher of the church of what's happening now. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's what's happening now. That's what I want. All of that, of course, is not biblical. And, I, and, and so it, our suggestion is that we actually have an inspired guideline as to what you should look for, because in Revelation, the book of Revelation, which is a book a lot of people want to avoid because they think it's very confusing, but at least the first few chapters are pretty clear, and especially chapters 2 and 3, when the Lord himself addresses the seven churches of Asia and so we've got what Jesus is looking for because he both commends certain things and condemns certain things. And so we can see what Jesus prefers in a church, which ought to mean the world to us. We should want what he wants. Okay. And so you asked earlier today just for people to give their comments on yeah. the, the seven churches. Yeah. What so God, to our uh, update list earlier today, we sent out. Just this idea that this is what we would do, and we ask, what from the Lord's message to each church, what would you conclude that he desires to see in a local congregation? Name one or two things you see as important in each case, and then we just list the seven churches, uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, and that, and that composes in your New Testament uh, as as they are printed, Revelation chapters two and three, and so that's what that's where our text will be tonight, and we'll just be talking about that. Um, and if you haven't sent in anything yet, the chat room is wide open, and so uh, start with that church at Ephesus. What yeah. do you think Jesus was looking for in that church? The first now seven I see Stephen in the chat three. room. He's 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 often there. Stephen, welcome. Stephen sent in an email that we're not going to pursue tonight because he has suggested. Uh, an outlier interpretation of the book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3 in which the seven churches, he says, when while John wrote these seven churches were very real and reflected different outcomes that not only reflected exactly where they were uh, relative to Christ at the time, but also prophetically revealed parallels to successive periods of church history, starting with the apostolic age, followed by an age of persecution, Ephesus, Smyrna, followed by a compromised church, Pergamos, followed by a Romanized papal church, Thyatira, uh, the Protestant Reformation church, Sardis, the the Restoration Movement, known as the Philadelphia Church, and then, which morphed into a lukewarm church, Laodicea. I've read that interpretation before. I I do not accept it as being the correct understanding. I I think it is looking way beyond the intended meaning of Revelations two and three. So we're just we're going to mention that Stephen sent that in, but we're not going to dwell on that in our discussion, because even as Stephen said, the the message certainly reflects where those churches were at the time, and that's what we want to focus on: where those churches were at the time, and what the Lord saw in them that was commendable and condemnable uh and because, what he desired of them and so that that will help us the first one is ephesus and and the, and the church at ephesus uh the discussion or or message addressed to the church at ephesus is in revelation 2 verses 1 through 7 now the the the, the very famous expression that the lord used relative to the church at revelation 
was I have verse four, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. It's interesting that just before that he had he had told the good things they were doing. Verse two, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou cannot bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars and is born and is patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Um so you get the idea that what happened here was here was a church that was still hitting their marks, at least technically. Yep. They were doing the right things. They were going through the right motions, but the Lord could see their hearts and he, he, he could see that their love and dedication had waned. And that was not a good thing because he says in verse 5, Remember, therefore, from whence they are fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So this this is not a thing to be taken lightly. It, uh, uh, we're not looking for a congregation that just is technically right on all issues, although that's important. But it's also important that a church be serving out of deep love and commitment and dedication to the Lord, because the Lord sees the heart, and he knows whether that's so or not. All right. Uh, absolutely. Um, and so... We make we got to make sure that we're that we're sincere about it, I guess, and not just going through the motions. I've, maybe you, maybe we, we've been a part of a group like that before, uh, but uh, Christ said that church needed to repent. We want to make sure that the church we're a member of has that sincerity, uh, and it's not just going through the motions. Yeah, and so I, I really think that that's the way I would summarize that they were going through the motions. But their heart wasn't in it. I had a preacher friend once who who suggested uh, this analogy. So here's a here's a wife and a husband, and the husband says to his wife, "I want to talk to you. I got I got something really serious I need to talk to you about tonight. After we get the kids in bed, I need to talk to you." And so a little later in the evening, he sets her down. And he says, "I want to tell you something." He said, "I don't love you anymore." Now. I'm going to keep doing the same things I've been doing. I'm going to keep going to work uh, uh, on work days. I'm going to bring the check home. We're going to take care of the kids. We're going to do all the necessary things. We're going to keep doing just what we've been doing. But I thought I owed it to tell you I don't love you anymore. Now, what wife would be satisfied with an arrangement like that? In other words, the husband says, I'm just going to keep going through all the same motions. We're going to keep doing the same things. But you should know my heart's not in it. There's not a wife in the world that would be happy with an arrangement like that. Well, why would we think that Jesus would be happy with that in in regards to our relationship to Him as the bride of Christ? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're just going through the motions. We don't. Have, we're not motivated out of love. It, it won't work. Kent in Georgia said the church at Ephesus was loyal in doctrine but lacking in love. Right. And then uh, Dwight. Uh, Dwight is uh, out in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Tonight or Ames, isn't it? Ames, uh, Des Moines, maybe. Maybe Des Moines. I don't know. Somewhere in Iowa. Close. Yeah, but there's corn there wherever he is. Uh, he says, "Repent for falling and hate the sin of uh, Nicolaitans, even though they were aware of false apostles among them and endured. They were in sin and lost uh, for other sin in their life. So okay. they were to repent, uh, even though they even though they were in opposition." Uh, to the Nicolaitans, they were too told to to repent. Now, there's there's one other statement there, that, and we're going to get to that a little bit later, because in verse six to the, to the, the church at Ephesus, the Lord says, "This thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate." Well, that was just another thing they were doing right. They were, and he had mentioned earlier that they could not bear those who were evil. Uh, tried them that say they're false apostles and are not. Found them liars. Uh, so they were, they were, they were determined. And it, as Kent said, they were loyal in doctrine but lacking in love. And so one of the specific doctrines, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a minute. One of the one of the doctrines that they hated, as the Lord hates, was the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So they were they were doing right things, but just not really. Their heart wasn't in it, and I think that's a big, big, big warning for lots of us today. I think a lot of individual Christians, but I think whole congregations of people may just be going through the motions, yeah, uh, hitting our marks, but not really 
thinking about it. Not just, zealous about it. Sort of just, it's just routine, habitual. We're not zealous or enthusiastic. Our heart's not in it. And the Lord will not be pleased with that. He told them they had to repent. Well, that means that's a sin, right? Yeah, would, yeah. To, to do yeah, that means yeah. that that's a sin in the Lord's eyes, and you've mm, got to repent of it. Good point, good point. So he, Christ is looking for a church that hasn't left its first love, and that's what we ought to be looking for as well. We've got six more churches to look at, uh, but we've got a time for a break right now. While we're at that break, why don't you take a minute and look at the church at Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, and tell us what you think Christ was looking for in that church. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. <laughs> and then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> and at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Reputation grows like a mushroom. Character grows like an oak. A single newspaper article can give you a reputation. A life of toil gives you your character. Reputation is the photograph. Character is the face. Our strength is shown in the things we stand for. Our weakness is shown in the things we fall for. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Back on the program as we look at uh, what Jesus was looking for in a church, and we will obviously want that uh, for in the church that we're a part of. What is Jesus looking for? First, he was looking for a church that hadn't left its first love. What about that church at Smyrna in Acts in All right. 2, so, 8 through 11? Uh, in, in chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, addressed to the church at Smyrna, I know thy works, verse 9, and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. So here's a church. He says that they were rich in good works. So uh, their works, they were rich in good works, but they were poor Physically or materially, they were poor, and he commends them. Uh, the church at Smyrna is one of those two churches that, to which he had no negative thing to say, which is, yep. I mean, that's, that says a, a lot right there. Uh, there, were, there were only two churches for which he had no condemnation. And there were two others for which he had no commendation, but Smyrna is one of the ones that he praises. And and he says that they were rich in good works, but they were actually poor. He says, I know thy poverty. Uh, I think a lot of people today, especially in, in our materialistic world, and in particularly in the very prosperous place where we live, I think there are a lot of people who would not be comfortable in a church that had a lot of poor people in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what we're looking for is more of a sort of a uh, young, upwardly mobile professional uh, Christians, you affluent. know, affluent, um, a lot of young professionals uh, living in the surb- suburbs, uh, uh, driving nice cars, you know, uh, uh, doing all the right things socially. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I want to be a church. Oh, I don't know if I'd be very comfortable in a church with a lot of really really poor people in it that yeah. that wouldn't appeal to me yeah uh well notice what the lord was looking for he 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 knew he was aware of their of their physical poverty but he he was commending them for their spiritual wealth of good works and that's what we ought to be looking for we ought to be looking for a church that is rich in good works yeah uh, what would those kind of things be well Efforts to reach out to teach lost people, 
encouraging Christians who are weak and struggling, serving as a resource to strong Christians so that they can do even more in their service to the Lord. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, there's all kind. So I'm looking for a church. I got to decide what church am I going to choose here? There's a, whole, there's a smorgasbord arrangement of churches out there of which I can be. Am I going to, am I going to be so shallow that I would choose a church based on the fact that there's a lot of really cool young professionals in that church. That's where I'd like to be. Yeah. Uh, no, not not in the Lord's eyes. Angela in the chat room says, they didn't let their lack hold them back. It makes me think of Philippians 4, 11, and 12. Philippians 4, 11, and 12 says, uh, Paul says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So, what Angela says here is that Paul would have been happy in a church that was lacking physically. Yeah. Uh, Paul knew how to live like that, and it didn't allow it didn't slow him down. Obviously, and Angela says the church here at <clears throat> Smyrna didn't slow them down, even though they were lacking physically. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that's a good observation. Uh, Kent says the church. Uh, this is Kent from. This is Kent. Uh, by the way. Uh, who's going to be participating in our uh, mini-debate coming up in a few weeks on May 9th. But he, he's in Calhoun, Georgia, and Kent says, The church at Smyrna was faithful during times of suffering. They were reminded to be faithful even if it meant death. There is a really important statement there uh, in verse 10 that we reference a lot. We reference this this phrase, but it was stated to the people at, at Smyrna. He says, I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. So here's some people who'd suffered a lot already. And and Jesus didn't say, didn't say you've done enough. Ease back. Go back a little bit. You can take it easy now. You got your ticket punched. You're okay. He said, notice there's a future tense there. The devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be. So there was more tribulation coming their way. But he he said, you'll have tribulation 10 days. I don't know anybody who thinks it was a literal 10 days, but I think his point there, it won't last forever. Not Not forever. The tribulation won't last forever. Be thou faithful not until death. Which we often, we often, when we sort of paraphrase that statement, we say, be thou faithful until death. No, he said, be thou faithful unto death. In other words, be faithful even if it means you got to die for the cause. Be faithful. Yep. That's what he expected of them. Daniel in the chat room says he desires a church that's not intimidated by persecution, but is faithful. Exactly. Uh, absolutely. Thank you, Daniel, for that. And then Angela said what Greg was just saying reminds me of James 2, where he talks about not showing partiality between those who are well off and those who are poor. I'd rather worship with affluent people. Who, uh, if we'd rather worship with affluent people, we are being partial to them and against those who are not as well off. I think you're right. I think uh, you're right. Certainly. And then uh, Dwight in Iowa says uh, the church at Smyrna was remaining faithful to sufferings. Uh, the uh, through faithfulness comes our reward. Okay. And so, uh, certainly, we we should be looking for a church that's not going to back down, and that's rich in good works. But you think about that. A lot of the churches that you might have as an option to choose from today have already backed down. That's interesting. You know, they, they, so it's not popular to speak against homosexuality. We'll stop talking about that. It's not, it's not popular to insist on modesty and dress. We'll stop talking about it. It's not popular to talk about divorce and remarriage. We'll back off of that. Not popular to tell our young people that you've got to live moral lives. So yeah. They're not going to like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, th- I think a lot of uh, – so here's Smyrna, and they were in a tough spot uh, and they had suffered, uh, and we're going to suffer more, but the Lord didn't say, you can take it yeah, easy pull now. back a little bit. Don't be too extreme he, here. He, he was expecting them to keep it up. All right. I think we're ready to go on to the next uh, Okay. One. The next church, number three, is Pergamos, Versus. and that's in Revelation 2, beginning verse 12, down through verse 17. Okay. Uh, and, and the statement to the church at Pergamos, which I think is, is particularly enlightening, is... Um, that they would not tolerate false doctrine. Um, or excuse me, what am I saying? 
Yeah, he wants a church that won't tolerate they false doctrine. They were tolerating yeah. false doctrine, but he he wants a church that won't. Now, so let's read this. Uh, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. So they were in a bad spot. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even those days when Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelt. So, I mean, they had suffered persecution. They've been through a lot. Even to the point of one of their members had been a martyr. Mm-hmm. But he says, I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, so two two specific doctrines are mentioned uh, that the Lord condemned them because they to- they were apparently tolerating. The Lord wants so our point is the Lord wants a church that won't tolerate false doctrine. Yeah, they were. Now the question always comes up: What were those two doctrines? First of all, what was the doctrine of Balaam? And you all in the chat room can jump in here and give your opinion on these because there's some speculation about this. But most generally, it's explained that the doctrine of Balaam was a doctrine of Almost like what you hear today, you know, the health and wealth gospel. You serve for what you can get out of it. You serve because you expect overflowing blessings, uh, uh, an overflowing cup of blessings come back to you. So you give $10, get 100 back, which we sometimes hear the TV evangelists say. If you give 100 the Lord will see to it that you get 1000 back. If that was true, by the way. Everybody should mortgage their houses and send all the money. If it was a guaranteed 10 times return on investment, who wouldn't? The Lord never promised that. And the fact of the matter is that God's faithful people through the centuries typically were not well off. Uh, But sort of the health and wealth gospel, the serving for gain, that's what Balaam did. Apparently Balaam, in that Old Testament episode with the children of Israel, encouraged the Moabites, the, the king, you may remember King Balak tried to get King, uh, tried to get the prophet Balaam to issue a curse on Israel and the Lord wouldn't let him. Yeah. But, but putting all the puzzle pieces together, Balaam counseled Balak and the Moabites, get them to commit sexual immorality and the Lord will take care of them for you. Yeah. And so they did. Uh, and, and so he he served for gain. He wanted to, he wanted the reward that Balak was offering him, and he was going to get it one way or the other. And so, if, a lot of speculation is that the doctrine of Balaam is that idea of serving for what's in it for you, serving for personal gain. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans is usually explained, although there's still speculation, and, and I don't know that we'd ever know exactly, but it seems to be a, a sort of a, a carnality. The, the idea that, that even you could use sexual immorality as a form of worship to God, cult prostitutes and, and that sort of thing seems to have been uh, lasciviousness, uh, sort of a license to sin uh, was the idea of the Nicolaitans, probably. There's a lot of speculation along that line. I think earlier in the chat room, Stephen had suggested that the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was allowing sexual sins to take place without without condemning them, uh, probably. So whether we could ever pinpoint what those doctrines are exactly is not, I think, probably not the most important thing. The most important thing is to see that the Lord, because they, this false doctrine was being tolerated there uh, by the church at Pergamos, he said he held that against them. Uh, and notice, here's a church that had been, suffering, even to the point that one of their members had been martyred. Yep. That didn't matter. I mean, it was if they're going to compromise on doctrine, that, that their martyred member and the persecutions that they had suffered in conjunction with that would not cover for them in allowing these false doctrines to be promoted. So, you know, that's one thing that's in stark contrast with the religious scene today, and that lots of folks say, well, it doesn't really matter what you teach, what you practice, the doctrines that you hold to. It doesn't really matter. It's not that big a deal. We ought to just focus on Jesus and not worry about the particulars. Uh, we get that criticism sometimes. Oh, you guys, in fact, there's an expression that I hate to hear, but sometimes people throw out this expression, oh, you're majoring in minors. And as we often point out in the virtual Bible study, who gets to say what's major and what's minor? If it's if it's taught in the Word of God, we've got to teach it. If it's if it's 
If it's not, if it's a false doctrine, we've got to expose it. Uh, Jesus wasn't happy with them for tolerating false doctrine. Yeah, yeah. somebody could have said, "Well, you know, that's not a, that's not a big deal. That Balaam thing, that's, oh, yeah. not, that's not a big I mean, deal." Come on, I'm not, not gonna, why are you worried about that for? Well, don't make a stir, stink about that. Yeah. So, well, but the point of it is that there's no doctrine that you can say is insignificant if it contradicts the Word of God. We must oppose it, and the Lord will hold it against us if we don't. So you're looking for a church. So real quick, we've got to go to our uh, uh, bullet point break, but real quick, looking for a church that is not just going through the motions, but is really serving out of deep love and dedication, a church that is rich in good works, and a church that opposes false doctrine. Oh, man, you just think about those three things. That's three really important things I need to be looking for when I'm looking for a church. Quickly, Kent says uh, the church collectively was committed for their collective faithfulness under extreme difficulty. However, they were reminded that some in their number uh, were guilty of compromising with sin. And then Dwight says uh, the Lord hated the way of the Nicolaitans, and some of them held the Nicolaitans' teachings. Don't do that. Repent. There you go. Thank you, Dwight. Uh, We're going to get a break. We'll get your thoughts when we come back. It's time for the church at Thyatira. That's in chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. Take a minute and look at it and send in your comments during the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. I've made up my mind. I'm determined. I'm going to be happy. Enough of this sadness. Away with all discouragement. I'm finished with dejection, depression, despondency. No more gloom and doom. I will be happy. So now what do I need to achieve this goal of happiness? If I'm to be truly happy, I'll need money and plenty of it. And I must have friends, the kind that never fail and always act just like I want them to. And of course, success is important. I'll need to have unlimited success in every endeavor that I undertake to do. And then, of course, my family will have to behave perfectly and respond immediately to my every whim. Surely with all this I can be happy, right? Wrong. The wise, powerful, famous, and wealthy King Solomon sought after happiness through every avenue known to man. The end result was, quote, vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 11. Now contrast Solomon with Paul, who lost his wealth, gave up his fame and power, and ultimately suffered extreme persecution and imprisonment, yet he could write, quote, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, Philippians 4, verse 11. How could this be? Well, verse 13 of that text explains, quote, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So it is on this basis that Paul instructs us to, quote, rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4, verse 4. True happiness is not found in external things. It comes only by faithfully serving God. Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14. Are you really happy? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Hey, we're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We encourage you to find out more about us by... Well, here's one thing for you. Stream our services, Kyle. Tell us how to do that. Yeah, but you can go, uh, if you're not subscribed, you can get on YouTube and just type in College View Live Stream in the search box. So will pull right to our page. Or uh, if you want to go to the virtual uh, College View website, collegeview.com, it'll be a link on the page. So, All right. We're getting, we're getting some good traffic on that, too, aren't we, Kyle? Yeah, we're getting some steady views. And it's always, we have, of course, there's an archive version. So, You know, we'll, you're like watching the sports or something, and they show you the control room. We need like a Kyle cam so people can yeah. see Kyle getting us on the air. Kyle, Kyle's really doing, doing a good job, job of that. And, uh, and it's really good. We, the, the equipment that you guys all got together for this is really nice, high definition. better than what we have in the virtual Bible study, by the way. Yeah. Uh, more high def. And it, it's really making a good product. And so a couple of things that you can do with that. Say, say you're shut in with a sick child on Sunday and you can't go to services. Well, watch the live stream. Don't stay home from church if if you're able to go and watch the live stream. But if you if you're stuck at home uh, with a sick child or something, that's a good opportunity. But as Kyle mentioned, all of the lessons and our Bible study periods are uh, are archived as soon as they're done being live. They immediately roll into a, an archive, and they're all there for you to look at on our YouTube page. Kyle's got it figured YouTube out. YouTube channel. College View live stream. Yeah, thanks, Kyle, for doing that. And uh, we want you to, if, and what's better than even watching us on the Internet is come and be a part of us. Find out about our location and our time of meeting 
at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com. Look forward to meeting you soon. Hopefully you come and visit with us. All right, we're talking about the church that Jesus wants in, uh, the, on the program tonight. We're on to the church at Thyatira. Real quickly in the chat room, Rickery mentions what we were talking about a minute ago. It's often expressed that there are essentials and non-essentials. Where do we get this idea in the scriptures, and who gets to determine the non-essentials or the essentials? I think that's a good point. And no, all right, and Daniel references First Timothy six uh, ten: the love of money is the root of all evil. I think that goes back to the church at Smyrna. Um, they were they, they about, were poor. You're talking about yeah, we're talking about the people that maybe want that affluent uh, church congregation. He's saying, yeah. well, that could be, that could be an indicator. That there could be some other sins there. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've seen that before, haven't we? You yes. Know, you see these affluent congregations, and there was a lot of worldliness maybe associated with that affluence. Yeah, got to be careful on that for All sure. Right, okay. All right, the the next church in line is the church at Thyatira, and the message to the church at Thyatira is in chapter 2, beginning verse 18 down through the end of the chapter. And a, a key phrase uh, to the church at Thyatira is, uh, Thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Uh, If I was going to summarize that, I I would say that here's a church that was tolerating immorality amongst its members. Uh, And the Lord says, uh, again, it's interesting that they had done some good things. Verse 19, chapter 2, verse 19, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. So they weren't, they, they were actually, they were, they were like getting better. They notwithstanding, were, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed to idols. Uh, so, uh, again, and then he speaks specifically concerning this Jezebel woman, and uh, he says um, uh, that, that they needed to not tolerate that kind of immorality. Uh, again, I think there's plenty of application to that in the modern world, because as we said earlier, there's, there, there seems to be an increasing dislike by many people for teaching on moral issues. You know, it's not popular to teach against modern dancing, for instance. It's not popular to teach about modest dress. Uh, it's not popular to talk about even marriage, divorce, and remarriage, as the scriptures describe it and as, as, as the Lord r- regulates on those matters, well, people don't want to hear that. Uh, and, and so what you end up with is with a lot of churches that tolerate that. That compromise. Of thing. They allow that. So, so here's a church, and all the young, all the young teenagers are well, they're just wild and immoral, you know. Uh, well, why? Well, because they haven't been taught differently. The church has tolerated that sort of thing. And in fact, the church won't even allow that sort of thing to be taught. No. Preachers. I, I, I've known of tr- preachers specifically who, who were asked about teaching on divorce and remarriage. Friends. Oh, that's too controversial. I'm not going to deal with that. Yeah. Well, what do you get when you do that? Well, you get a church like Thyatira that compromises on moral issues and the Lord is not pleased. Yeah, you know, but if we teach about... Uh fornication and eating things sacrificed to idols, that woman Jezebel is going to be alienated. She's going to get mad and leave. Yeah. Well, I guess you got to take the consequences that come with doing what the Lord wants. Daniel in the chat room says, right works do not make up for sin not dealt with. Good point. And he references Daniel, I mean, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump. As ye are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And so the angel says you need to get that leaven out. Don't tolerate yeah. that sin. And I, thought, I like his point that right works, because they were commended for right works. There are a lot of good things here. But it didn't make up for the sin that they weren't dealing with. They weren't dealing with that, that immoral influence in the church. Ricky says it's possible that she seduced them through, is it possible that she seduced them through false doctrines of marriage, divorce, and remarriage? I don't know. Of what it was, we don't have the details. He says, "Is it possible for churches to do such today by false doctrine on marriage, divorce, and remarriage?" I think so. You know, that would be one way in which we would be guilty, as Thyatira was, in 
tolerating immorality. Uh, Kent says the church at Thyatira was committed for their collective virtue and service to God. However, they were condemned for harboring one guilty of heresy and also of spreading this heresy to others through the church collective, uh, though the church collectively did not accept such. And so, yeah, you know, they may say, well, the church isn't, we're not practicing that, but there was this one. There's this one individual that is, they're off on that. And sh- she was working to but get others working. to follow. As, as uh, uh, Daniel said, a, a corrupting influence in the a church. A little leaven leavens mm. the whole lump. And then Dwight in Iowa says, do not tolerate sin in the church. It will lead the Lord's servants astray. For those who do not tolerate sin and overcome sin, they will be rewarded. And so... Uh, Dwight says we just have to have a zero-tolerance policy for those who would be engaged in that, that, that type of activity. Uh, all right. Very good. All right. Let's, let's grab number five, which is Sardis. We move into chapter three. Sardis uh, is addressed, and he says, uh, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou hast, uh, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So, the 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 church at Sardis was a dead church. Um, have you ever known a dead church? I think so. So, so a dead church. I mean, obviously, here's a church that still exists, uh, and 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 so organically, I guess you might say they are alive. They still they still meet. They're still members there. They are they are they are individuals who are who are assembling together, and so you know they they are living in a sense. Uh, maybe this is a church that is is involved in all kinds of things that the church is not even supposed to be involved in. Maybe they had a a, a really strong social program, mm-hmm. a lot of lot of activities for the young people to get involved in, and so forth. And so, organically alive but dead spiritually because they weren't pursuing the spiritual things God wanted them to pursue. Uh, uh, and, and so he said they were dead. They didn't, they perhaps didn't even realize the the situation. Now he goes on to describe there were a few there uh, which had not defiled their garments in verse four. But generally speaking, this was a dead church. But it's interesting to me that it was. You know, we would think of a dead church as a church that ceased operations. You know, they went out of existence. That wasn't the case here. This church was still in the existence. Doors were still open. Yeah, the but they were dead. On. They were dead. Yeah. Uh, the church at Sardis, Kent said, received no condemnation or commendation at all for Christ. Uh, he told them while they were physically alive, they were spiritually dead, verses 1 through 6 there of chapter 3. Right. Kent for that. And then Dwight says, wake up and realize where you are. The Lord's word is the prescription for being strengthened. You are weak or dead because of sin, and this needs repenting of. Okay. I think that's really uh, the way Dwight put that. I think is interesting to pursue that just a minute. You got to see yourselves as the Lord sees you, because if before receiving this message from the Lord, and maybe even after receiving it, they would have viewed themselves as uh, alive and doing well, and you know everything's fine, no problems. And the Lord viewed them as spiritually dead. We got and, and so how how do we get that snapshot picture? Yeah. Uh, well, it has to become it has to come by comparing ourselves individually and collectively to the Word of God. You know that's the dangerous thing is we could be looking at ourselves and think, well, you know things are pretty good around here. We need to step back and say, how does God view us? How, what is Jesus's opinion of us? And 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 look at the Word as Dwight said, and compare ourselves to the mirror of God's Word. Um, that's uh, how we'll determine if we're the church that God wants us to be. Yeah. Uh, Daniel in the chat room says they might have been like the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. Daniel references Matthew 23, 27 and 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And so, where is it when you when you strip it all back there, Kyle? 
are we uh, actually what Christ would have us to be? That's right. I think that would be one of the worst things to be compared to is like you're just whitewashed tombs and inside you're, you know, dead men's bones. That's like, that'd be a, that's a wake-up call. It's a reckoning. We need to make sure that we're not becoming one, that we're not losing our first love like Ephesus, and we're not whitewashed tombs. And we need to make sure we're not comparing ourselves by ourselves and looking like, you know, trying to compare that we're just, we're all, we're in a good spot. We need to make sure that we're living the way Christ is measuring us. Make sure we're using the yeah, right that, measuring stick. Yeah, that's the measuring stick. Exactly right. Stephen uh, in the chat room references uh, <clears throat> the passage, let the dead bury the dead. Uh, uh, and I'm not exactly sure of the application, Stephen. You might give us a little clarity. But, I mean, at, at some point, we've got to say, I, I've got to do something else. You know. So what, w- what would you do if you were a member of the church at Sardis? Uh, you you can't defile your garments as the others had. But the question comes up, and we're not really going to dive into that tonight. But so how how because notice this was a bad church, nothing commended. But in verse four, chapter three, verse four, thou hast a few names even in Sardis that have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. How long do you tolerate that situation at Sardis? No, that was a bad church, and these people were still members of that church. At some point, I think what Stephen is saying, and Stephen, you can clarify me if I'm wrong. At some point, you guys say, I, I'm going to have to go on, and you know, I, I can't continue in that relationship. But it was pretty bad here, and these Christians were still they were fighting it through. Jesus they, didn't they, say, pull out, guys. It's yeah. time's to come. So. Yeah. So that's a tough. That's not really. That's not really in our purview to discuss tonight. But that's a. That's a always a challenging question. How long do I stay a part of a church that has as bad issues as Sardis had? How long do I keep fighting it? I don't know. As long as you can be in there and not defile your garments, yeah. I would say. I think that, that's a good point. In other words, if if the sins of that church and the members of that church begin to, in other words. If I'm there, I am obviously in fellowship with it and participant in it. I can't do that. You're, you're, getting, you're getting dirty, too. Yeah, I'm defiling my garments. Angela says we can't rest on a reputation or past good works. And that may be what they have been doing there in, in Sardis is maybe resting on their reputation or their past good works. Good comment. And uh, M.O. says even though they were dead, so they were, they were still there even though the church was dead. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. tough, tough decisions to be made uh, God's but I, I really like i think your point is the right one so so i can only stay so long as my staying doesn't defile my garment and if by staying i am necessarily in fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness remember what the lord said in ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them so i can't i can't be in joint participation with evil. And if staying at Sardis means that I, I am necessarily involved in their evil, then I'll have to leave. Uh, and, and then Mo says, God's word and obeying it gives life. Absolutely. Right. Right. All right. We've got two more to go, and we got have a to hurry. short way to go. Well, we're going to get a break. And when we get back, we're going to go fast to talk about the church at Philadelphia and the church at Laodicea. Don't go anywhere. The Worship Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. About a third of Americans, 35%, say they read Scripture at least once a week, while 45% seldom or never read the Scriptures. Frequency of reading Scripture differs widely among religious groups. Majorities of Jehovah's Witnesses, 88%. Mormons, 77%. 
evangelical Protestants, 63%, and members of historically black Protestant churches, 61%, say they read Scripture at least once a week. By contrast, 65% of Jews say they seldom or never read Scripture. That information is via Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight, going fast to the top of the hour, as we look at what Jesus was looking for in a church as we go to that seven churches of Asia in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and look at what he was commending or else uh, wanting for the churches there and on to the church at Philadelphia. Uh, and to the church at Philadelphia, he said, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. No man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and has not denied my name. Behold, I will make them I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. So two times he says, you have kept my word in verse 8. And again in verse 9, he says, you have kept my word. So the Lord is looking for a church that, Keeps his word. That, that's pretty straightforward. But you, you think about that. Here's a primary emphasis. What, so I'm trying to decide, what, what am I looking for in a church? Well, I go to this church and I visit this church and I, I, the preacher gets up to preach. And I can't recall that he ever even made a reference to a passage of Scripture. Maybe... Maybe maybe passing reference to one verse or something, but the rest of the time he was quoting human authors and and uh, speaking of human philosophy. That's not what the Lord's looking for. He's looking for a, a church that is heavily into the Word. Yeah. And so that's what we need to be looking for, too. If I'm going to that place and I, I don't see that there's much emphasis on the Word, I'm getting out of there. I'm going someplace else. Or you ask why you engage in certain activities or why do you allow certain activities, and they reference their creed. That would be an indication they're not holding fast to the Word. If they can't go to the Bible and say, well, this is why we do it this way, or this is why we tolerate these activities— if they can't go to the Bible, but instead they're going to their creed, well, they're not holding faithful to the Word. They're not yeah. holding fast to the Word. Yeah. Uh, and Or maybe they just say this is the way we've always done it. Or throughout the, the last few centuries, the church has done it this way, and that's the way we're going to do it. Yeah. Are we holding fast to the Word? Yeah. Um, we've got a couple comments there. Let's get Kent. And, and Kent says the Church of Philadelphia received a total commendation for their faithfulness giving them an open door to complete spiritual enjoyment and opportunity for additional service. Okay. Very good. And White says, continue in his word and persevere, even though even through test of our faith, overcome, and you will be blessed. Exactly right. Thank you. So Dwight. Philadelphia and Smyrna were the two churches to which there was no condemnation. I, I, I'm saying I want to be a member of a church like that. You know, I do too. I want to be a member of a church where the Lord evaluates and the Lord has no criticism of them that's really a high mark that's what we should be striving for we should not be complacent say well there's some stuff wrong here but you know nobody's perfect we'll just have to put up with it no we need to be striving for a commendation like smyrna and philadelphia received no condemnation all commendation from the lord daniel references colossians 3 verse 17 whatsoever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god and the father through him Thank you for that, Daniel. Appreciate that comment tonight. And then finally, we've got to go quickly to the last, the seventh of the seven churches, Laodicea. This one, I think, is, I, I, I imagine people remember the statement to this church perhaps more than any of the others. In Revelation 3, beginning verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am enriched and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Um, and so here's a, a church that was lukewarm. I think, that's, I think that's the expression we remember so much. Uh, the Lord wants us to be on fire for him. He, does, he wants us. You know, the question that sometimes comes up, why would he want them to be cold or hot? 
Well, if they were totally cold, they might be able to be shocked into a realization of, of how bad a shape they were in. But because they were sort of lukewarm, they, they were sort of lulled into believing they were okay. And notice he said, you say, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And you don't even realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They were self-deceived. That, that lukewarmness, you know, they weren't, they weren't really, they hadn't quit. They, they, they were holding their own, as some t- people say, you know. Uh, but that wasn't good enough for the Lord. He wanted them to be on fire for him. And so he said it would be better if you were cold. And I think the reason why it would be better if they were cold is that they might be sparked back to life. He definitely preferred them to be hot. But that lukewarm situation is very dangerous because it lulls us into a, 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 a self-deceived view that everything is okay. Yeah, and um, and so we may think we may be thinking in ourselves to ourselves, you know, everything I'm, is okay at the church where I am. Uh, everything seems to be going good. Seems, I think we're doing the right things. Get back to God's word and make sure that we can verify, not just a feeling or an opinion that we have. Can we verify from God's word uh, that we are what He would have us to be? You know, I've even heard people from time to time say, "Well, we're holding our own." Well, holding our own is not good enough. We need to be on fire for the Lord, really working diligently in His cause to to further the kingdom of Christ, uh, teaching the law, strengthening the weak, uh, edifying the strong. We need to be really on fire for the Lord. Kent says the church at Laodicea has nothing at all for which Christ would commend them. They were described as being only lukewarm. They had enough truth in them to make them miserable in the world and enough of worldliness in them to make them miserable as a local church. I agree. And then Dwight says, realize where you stand with the Lord. Discipline comes through the Word of God and needs to be implemented so the Word can work on the lost man's soul and save him from hell. With each, with each of these churches, Dwight concludes, the scriptures say for us to listen to the word of God. It will save us from destruction. Absolutely. Uh, a perfect takeaway there, Dwight. Stephen mentioned something kind of interesting about Laodicea. Water came into that city from a mountain spring, cool, and from a hot geyser, obviously hot, so cold and hot, but they were spiritually yeah, I think, I, lukewarm. I think the story is by the time it got to the city, it was just sort of lukewarm. Well, they were lukewarm, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, Angela uh, says, talking about a preacher who stands up and doesn't reference Scripture, that's where, as a listener, knowing your Bible comes into play. If you're not reading and don't know what the Scriptures say, you can't pick out whether they're quoting Scripture or not, or maybe you don't care because you don't see the necessity and need. And she references Acts 17.11. Of course, that's the reference to the Bereans who search the Scriptures daily. daily. Yeah. yeah. All right. Very good, Angela. Thank right. you. Okay. Well. So, so again, let's go back to what we said at the start. Uh, there's a whole spectrum of churches here, right here in my own particular area. Yep. What am I looking for? Well, if it's what I'm looking for, I I got some. You know what 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 my appetites suggest. There, it's out there. I can choose. Yeah. But I, if I'm just following my likes and dislikes, I'm very likely to choose wrong. What I want to do, what I should be doing, is looking for a church that receives the Lord's commendation and praise. And and so there's some really, I think, very important insights there in those seven churches of Asia. That's right, and it, it reminds us, uh, Kyle, uh, the importance of getting back to the Word and uh, just making sure that what we're doing, the group that we're a part of, is committed to that Word and, and doing it in every aspect of uh, our work together as a church and in our lives individually. That's right, which uh, as a church, we need to make sure that we heed these uh, comments that Jesus made to these seven churches because this is a, it is a measuring stick. It is a good, and you know, which Paul's letters to the churches and Christ's commendations and uh, his you know, warnings to these churches. We need to make sure we heed the warnings of those churches and make sure we apply them to the churches that we're a part of and make sure we're helping to better it and Anyway, we can't. And it can't just be how we feel about it. I was talking to a, a man earlier this week about a, a young person uh, that that was just going to a church and, and was really had decided that that was the kind of church you need to be a part of because just how he felt at the end of the services, at the end of, you know, sort of a motivational feel good sermon. It wasn't based in the scriptures, but the young person had, felt I... good about it. And I think that's what. Young and old alike, or I had a similar conversation with a man today. You know, you know, you just know you have a feeling. Yeah, 
Well, we, we need to know because we've they searched the scriptures. The Laodiceans, especially, had a feeling everything yeah. was good. Yeah. 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 But it's not until you get back to the scriptures and make yeah. sure that you're in, uh, in compliance with what God has said. Exactly right. Dad, a good discussion. Tonight. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Kyle, for being here. Yep, it's good to be here. And thank you for being on the other end of the line. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.